You're listening to the Jerry and Jacoby podcast, Success Without Sacrifice, a podcast by two entrepreneurs at different stages of life, sharing real life experiences, managing a successful business and family life. It's honest talk about lessons learned, balancing family, faith, business, and personal growth on the journey of making our dreams a reality. Now, here are your hosts, Jerry and Jacoby. All right. So, uh, yeah, I'm really excited for uh, this week's episode of the podcast. We are doing another interview here. And this interview, I've been looking forward to this one for a very long time because we've got uh, one of my mentors and coaches and all of the above all around wisdom guy to me and Jerry as well on the podcast today. And so we have Lars Hedenborg who is the creator of Real Estate B-School here. He's also a former agent and awesome father and husband. And so I'm really excited to uh, have him on the podcast here. And uh, Lars, yeah, so just welcome and then uh, introduce yourself as well. What do you, what do you uh, introduce yourself to the audience here? Yeah, for sure. I'm excited to uh, spend some time with you guys too. I have a lot of love and respect for each of you and, and what you stand for. And, and when you guys announced that you're doing this podcast, I just thought it was... Uh, something that is rarely talked about in our industry, right? You're like, how do you, how do you win, win in, in, in the workplace and how do you win, win in the home as well? So uh, yeah, quick intro on me. I got into real estate 2007, uh, like instantly figured out how to sell a lot of homes. And in that traditional success, it was just a complete crap show, you know, instantly seven days a week, no boundaries uh, around anything. And you're just sort of like, whoa, you know, came from a corporate job where, like when I left, I, I didn't even think about anything related to work. <laughs> and in real estate, it is just like this incessant taking on of, of the personalities and the drama of all the deals that you're wrapped up in. And then if you, if you intend to, to grow the business and, and, and that's the, the route I chose, now you're just taking on people and you're building systems and you have more people than their you know, lives and, and, and challenges and, and all of that. But fast forward, you know, four or five years after I started, you know, I had a, a fully leveraged uh, real estate team. Uh, I think five years after I got into real estate, we did about 300 and, you know, 300 plus transactions. I was able to scale down from, you know, seven to six to five to three to two to one day a week in that business. And then 2013, that, that journey was really hard. So I hope we get into all the good, bad, ugly about all of it, you know, and, and some of the sacrifices and the things I would do over again and change if I could. Um, but 2013, I started Real Estate B-School specifically to help folks that uh, were headed down this journey of, of growing and doing more deals and using leverage and building systems uh, just to make their journey easier. And just like any other business, you get into a new business and you, you, you grind it out and you kind of do all the things, you know, and I was right back into production in a different business. You know, I was coaching clients and I took on too many clients and that became out of bounds and I was getting pulled. And, uh, and so it took me probably a good four or five years to systemize that business to get it to the point where it wasn't sucking the life out of me. And now I'm launching this global, you know, initiative with, with EXP and that's a little out of bounds. And, you know, so it's like, you know, at every point, I think we're wired in a way where we're just always seeking more challenge and like, just when it's all good, like, let's just throw something new in there and like, you know, ruffle everyone's feathers. So no, it's been an awesome journey. You know, I, I got married in 2006. So the backdrop to all of this is that I got married in 2006, right before I got into real estate. And because of my challenge, chaotic, you know, alcoholic dad, all the insanity that comes along with that sort of childhood. I didn't want to do what my dad did. He failed in, in marriage. He's failed as a dad. And, you know, j just to be able to, to build a business in the way where it really allowed me to show up as a dad and to show up as, as a husband. And, and my faith sort of came along in 2009, I was saved and accepted Jesus Christ into my heart and um, having no religion whatsoever as a kid. And now that that journey is sort of picking up steam and so, yeah, so it's been a crazy journey, but it's been a, a lot of fun. And, and as the years have ticked on even more, you know, self-awareness about how, how many mistakes I make and how I continue to make the same mistakes and, you know, personally and professionally, and just surround myself with guys like, like you that are willing to, 
talk about them, be honest about them, challenge each other, you know, with respect to, to what we're, we're doing, that's maybe not so great. And, and, you know, encourage each other when, when we are doing good stuff. So yeah, hopefully that's a good enough intro. That's perfect. I am equally excited when we decided to do the podcast and we decided to add interviews when we both Jacoby and I put our short list together, uh, you were right on the top of the list and we didn't just jump into the gun with you. We wanted to make sure that we could get the most out of an interview with you. And so we waited and probably waited a little bit too long. We probably could have got you in a little bit earlier, but I am very excited. Now, the one question that uh, across the board, we ask everybody that comes on the podcast is obviously our podcast is called uh, success without sacrifice. And we want to know what that means to you, man, that, that is uh yeah, it brings up a, a, a lot of different thoughts. I mean, I, success in our industry, traditional success leads to tremendous sacrifice in the areas of life that actually matter. So that's what it first brings up. Like it's, it's a deflection away from me, you know, into the industry, like, oh, everyone else is jacked up. Uh, so that's the instant thing that it brings up is that traditional success in our industry is is does not leave you with a life uh, worth living. And you're just going to have a lot of challenges for me to bring it back to me and to not be a deflector. You know, there there were times where we 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 sacrifice in a way that it it does hurt people around us. So so that's the thing that it brings up for me is very specifically. And my wife, and you guys have seen these pictures, I'm sure. My wife took pictures to document in the early days of real estate when I was not showing up as a husband or a dad as I should have been. Whether it was Anders at one year old where she just kind of threw him and I had a bottle and I was on my cell phone or our first vacation when I got into real estate. uh, I think our daughter wasn't born yet. Julie was pregnant. So probably 2009, about two years into to real estate. This was the year I sold 60 homes and I just started a team. So it was pretty crazy uh, where I worked a deal on vacation. And, and she's still, if you had a conversation with her today about that vacation, it still brings up like a visceral response of how, how I let her down. And, and because this was going to be the vacation where I could unplug. And ironically, that deal fell apart. I never got a, a penny on it. It was a short sale in the neighborhood I live in now. So now literally every morning, actually two times a day now, I'm doing two a day workouts. <laughs> Twice a day, I, I pass this house multiple times. In fact, I'm doing sprints up a hill. I'm doing these high intensity interval workouts. I'm doing sprints up a hill where I do eight sprints right in front of this house. And so I'm constantly reminded of the sacrifices that, that we make, here's the only difference. When I was doing it, I, I knew that there was an end game. So I, I think w- when I study the industry and I study guys uh, and girls that are struggling, they're constantly making sacrifices with no plan to, to, to build a, a business worth owning so they can have that life worth living. I think that's the only difference from a very early on. Like I was like, I'm going to build this thing in a way where I don't have to lose my life in the process. So uh, I, think what's, I think one of the things that we do, not just uh, where we don't have a plan, I think we lie to ourselves a lot where we say we have a plan, like we're working hard today, so we don't have to work tomorrow, even though there's no plan in place for that. I remember uh, the other day, Jacoby and I were talking about this story and uh, we were talking about our story. I remember there was a time we were on vacation and I had uh, my two younger boys on the boat. We were fishing. I literally was on my phone like, that entire time we were together. Uh, I blew that entire trip because I was trying to take care of a problem. Couldn't even tell you what the problem was anymore, but I can tell you that I ruined that trip. And so I think we all have those stories. Yeah. And, and yeah, and and it's crazy. And I think it's the nature of like the nature of playing the game of real estate at a high level is that, you know, like, I, I don't know how many pendings you guys have right now or how many active clients, but I, I guarantee you it's 10 times more than the average agent. So you're trying to play like the game of real estate at such a high level. And then it just, it's going to take out every other area of your life. I mean, we, we know a guy, you, you may not have, well, you, you guys may be in the iron sharpens iron, iron group on Facebook, but a guy that we know two days ago, 48 years old, had a heart attack, mm. My, mild heart attack, had three stents put in. 48 years old, got a couple, uh, I think 
boys, like two boys and a girl. And I mean, just total God, God thing. Like he, he had like just a, a little bit of a pain and he, you know, typically he's not the doctor type and, but it just, it could have been any one of us, you know? So, so for him, he was just grinding out transactions. He's a 300,000 GCI year guy for, you know, 15 years and just grinds all the time, seven days a week, all the time and didn't really take care of himself. Right. And so, you know, that, that could be your marriage. It could be your physical body. It could be your spiritual journey. It could be a relationship with your kids. It could be, you know, all the things that ultimately, you know, we need to tend to real estate just sucks the life out of you where you have nothing left for the other areas. And what's the one thing everyone says, why'd you get into real estate? Yeah. Freedom. Yep. Right? I wanted to control yeah. my own schedule. Yeah. And you can only do that if you're selling four homes a year. Right? That's the perfect amount of homes to sell where like, I am completely free, not financially, but I am for sure time free. Cause I only sell four homes. Yep. You know, when you get up to even like 12, 18, 24, you know, 30 homes, when you start to hire an administrator and there, there is that, you know, the other thing I thought of when you said sacrifice, there are periods of time, you know, where, where I, I do believe only with a clear plan where, where there's going to be some sacrifice. So, so for me, when I made the commitment to build a team, I knew that systems were the bridge from me doing everything to me doing very little in the business. And I didn't have, I was a busy agent. So I had no time during the day. My day job was a top producing agent. I, I would spend a couple hours with my family and then my night job. I mean, a few nights a week, 10 PM to two to 3 AM, I would be working on systems. My wife thought I had a porn addiction. No joke. If you asked her about me spending that time upstairs, <laughs> it was in our house where we had like a, it was like a one and a half story. We had like a, a, a second story, but she was just like, I didn't know what he was doing up there. I was just praying it wasn't porn. Like she, she literally <laughs> thought I was like impure thoughts and actions for like four hours. I'm like, it doesn't really work that way. honey. <laughs> That's not the way, uh, uh, yeah. impure actions work. It doesn't take four hours, but, um, <laughs> but it wasn't that it was, it was all systems. I was like building marketing systems. I was making our client care systems, you know, run more smoothly. I was working on the database or working on a hiring system or, you know, all the stuff that makes business easier. The one thing I'll say is if you are a part of your program, I have no doubt you were in there working on systems because yeah. there is a system for everything. Yes, <laughs> exactly. So I actually, I want to get into, um, it's like really, really good intro and all that. I want to start unpacking kind of your story and how you kind of got to where you're at because your method of thinking and having a plan for things, I think is a good skill that people need to have. A lot of times what we talk about is beginning with the end in mind and mm -hmm. on the podcast. And I think you do that really well. I don't know if that's because that's how you were wired. That's the way you're made. Or if you, because of, you know, what happened in your life, you know, you wanted to, you know, have those things put out for you, but that's kind of what I'd like to unpack because that is a good skill to have in anything that you do, not just in real estate business, but every, all your relationships and everything, you know? Yeah. So, so instantly when you say begin with the end of mind, I didn't come out of corporate America with like any business building uh, experience. I, I hadn't really built systems before. I mean, I did strategic planning and acquisitions for an aerospace company. So it was pretty cool job. I mean, I ran numbers. I did love spreadsheets. As you guys know, I'm, I'm a spreadsheet uh, uh, lover but I didn't come into, into real estate with like this. I wasn't able to apply much of what I had from corporate into, into real estate, but the first book I read changed everything. And, and, and this is the mindset. If, if you want to not be tied to your business, it's, it's the e-myth question. So it's the book e-myth revisited Michael Gerber. It's how would you have to think about your business differently if you were to replicate it 10,000 times? And so just think about that as you're listening to this podcast, even pause it and, and think about the last seven days in real estate. So let's say you're a top agent, you're running a team, whatever your deal is. How would you have to think about your business differently if you were to replicate it 10,000 times? That means you literally couldn't do anything you did in the last seven days because you're a single location, you showed homes, you were on listing appointments, you were entering listings in MLS, you picked up lock boxes, you took pictures, you did marketing brochures, you entered like all this crap we do in our businesses. 
And so the mindset of having building the franchise prototype e-myth style, that that's that was my influence the whole time. And I don't know what it was that wrapped my I wrapped my head around that. Most the e-myth is that most people are doing the technical work in the business and they're like, you know, hashtag entrepreneur. It's like, no, entrepreneurs don't run around town and and they're not doing courier work for four hours a day. I promise you most agents selling 12 to 24 homes a year. That's kind of where, you know, top agents are half of their days are spent in my market. We can get a courier for under $10 an hour. We can run an ad eight to $10. Well, I don't even know if eight is legal. Let's say nine to $11 an hour. And we can get a ton of applications for the work that I believe top agents, quote unquote, top agents are spending half their day doing. And so I just, I I took that mindset and I'm like, man, and then one other thing. So that was the first book I read. So the concept of like, I'm going to build a franchise prototype. This thing is going to run without me because I'm not going to lose my marriage. I'm not going to fail as a dad. The other book was, and it, I wouldn't even read the whole book because I remember nothing of the book except this one concept. Uh, it was No BS Time Management for Entrepreneurs by Dan Kennedy. And there was, it was the second edition that I read, but uh, he has a third edition now. And there was a chapter in the book that just had you calculate your hourly wage. Really simple, really basic. Like when you're working hourly, like my, I I can't remember, like, I'm sure I had jobs where like, okay, you're going to get 10 bucks an hour. It's like, okay, 10 bucks an hour. Great. I can work. And then I get 10 bucks and it's easy as entrepreneurs. We're just like, we don't think that way, but you're trading time. We're all trading time for money. And and we just want to get your business to, to have some boundaries. We're like, I'm only going to work 50 hours. These are the exact 50 hours I'm going to work. And when I place a unit of of, of labor into my business. I want to get the most amount of money out. And so I did that calculation. I came off a job where I made 200 grand working about 2000 hours, super easy math, hundred dollars per hour, but I couldn't decide to make it 200 or 500. So that's why I got out of the corporate corporate grind. I got into real estate and I made $37,000 in my first 10 months. And I worked about 2000 hours, $18 and 50 cents an hour. And so I wasted a lot of money on things that didn't work. So it's not like a true, true calculation, but it is actually what I made. And when I read that chapter, I calculated the 1850 and I decided that I'm going to make 500 grand work in 2000 hours. So I was working more than 40 hours a week at that point. And those two concepts were the, the basis of everything else that followed, because now anything I did, anything I did, I'm like, Oh yeah. So the, the 500,000 divided by 2000 is $250 per hour. So I was making $20 an hour roughly. And I wanted to make $250 per hour. Tr- try to use that lens in these next seven days after you hear this podcast and, and decide even hour by hour, did I spend the last hour doing tasks that are making me $250 per hour? 90% of what a real estate agent does, it's under $50 per hour. Uh, working with buyers, the only thing, building systems, working listings, maybe lead gen, coaching your team members. There's like four or five things that'll make you more than $250 per hour and everything else. And so I, I don't know if I answered your question. I think you, I think I, I, I started to answer your question, but, but that was the basis of it is just like every 90 days I was looking at where I was spending my time and I was getting rid of stuff. I had administrators, I hired buyer agents, you know, all the administrative tasks, marketing coordination, um, closing coordination and listing coordination, all of that stuff had to get off my plate and then showing buyers and then working with buyers. And then I kept listings for one more year. And then ultimately a listing agent, good listing agent in my market is, you know, 7,500 bucks an hour. So even, even listing consultations and people are like, "Ah, how could you give up listing consultations? It's because there are good agents in my market that were willing to do it for, you know, even 60 bucks an hour working 2,500 hours. What's that? It's 150 grand. You know, that's, that's great money. That's more money, you know, no risk. So anyway. Yeah. How does that go ahead? uh, So how does that mentality of, I need to make $250 an hour work for you when you step through the door at home? Yeah. Who's taking your garbage out? Similar. Yeah. So, so I've, and I've gotten in trouble uh, for that, uh, but, but also really similar, you know, so 
Um, but I apply the same mentality for my wife. I'm like, Hey, if, if God is, is putting this podcast on your heart, like you can't spend time cooking you, she has some back issues. So for that reason, like you can't be lifting laundry, but even if she didn't have laundry, it's like you, you can't really reach the masses with your podcast. I mean, she's sharing miracles that glorify God, people that have met Jesus Christ and come back to talk about it. Like legit, like this guy worshiped Satan and, and it was going to kill Craig Rochelle. The guy that was going to assassinate Craig Rochelle is now like converted and, and has a ministry. So she has this and it's everydaymiraclespodcast.com. Wait, no. Yeah, I think that's it. Either way, just go on your, your favorite podcast player and it's Everyday Miracles Podcast and uh, give her a five-star review, a little commercial. Um, so same, same mentality at home. And, and we, actually, uh, we actually just recently, I, I kept saying that I was going to put my daughter's bed together um, and it just wasn't getting done. Like on the weekends, I just didn't feel like doing it. And she's like, is it okay if I call the handyman? You know, we have this handyman service. I'm like, totally fine. And so I tell my daughter this and she's like, she's like, well, that's like, you're lazy. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, honey, I am a lot of things. And she's 11. I'm a, I'm a lot of things, but like, I am the opposite of lazy. I, and I told her, I said, this is this man that's going to come put this together. It's going to bless him tremendously. Like this is the business that he chose to do. And uh, so maybe that was a, a roundabout way of, uh, yeah. Um, but it's, it's all the same, you know, when, when we do the time studies, I don't, I don't know if you you guys have done one, but we categorize administrative tasks two ways. What are the business administrative tasks you're doing? And what are the personal administrative tasks that you're doing? You know, like cooking or, or not having a plan for eating and just haphazardly going about like, what are we going to have for dinner? It's like, I don't know, let's get takeout or, you know, versus just meal prep, hiring a, a local struggling chef to cook for you once a week, totally bless that person. And then you have food for the whole week, like in, in your refrigerator. So I think the same principles, and I say that Jerry, and at the same time, it has pissed my wife off. Like you seriously won't do that. And so <laughs> I'm like, so you do have to take on, uh, it is a major turn on when I'll, I'll knock out some of her honeydew Items. So for the other collateral benefits of, of, uh, of doing house uh, chores, I will do them uh, for her. But yeah, it's, I, I think it's, it's the same thing. If you, if you want to spend time with your kids and you're spending two hours mowing the lawn, you know, unless you love mowing the lawn, but you're taking away the opportunity of some other person that their business is to mow the lawn and they're struggling, you know? So anyway. These are all good conversations. I think the key point, there's two key points I pull out of everything you just said. Number one is intentionality, right? Correct. So if I'm I, mowing the lawn could be a good thing, especially if I'm teaching my, my boys, you know, my two boys about hard work and showing them a task that needs to be done and doing that over and over and over again and discipline as a pope. But there's also a difference in me mowing my lawn because I want to save, you know, however much money and it doesn't make sense. And now I'm sacrificing, which is what we're talking about, sacrificing uh, time with my family, you know? And so I think the thing is that I pull out is like having a plan and that intentionality. But the other thing I pulled out uh, from what you said, when you said you were the e-myth and the other book is you said, I'm not going to lose my marriage and I'm going to be a great, I don't know what you said about your being a dad, but basically the bottom line was, is I'm going to be a great dad and I'm going to be a great husband. Mm -hmm. And I think those are really good drivers because you've got to have a why as well. Right. And so those are really good drivers as to, I'm sure motivated you to those things as well. And then, um, if you could talk a little bit about that and maybe even about your, you know, your, your history and, and growing up and that sort of thing as well, and how that kind of helps help has helped you keep the fire burning essentially too. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll when I, when I put, uh, it was late 2009 where I, I really focused and you guys might've seen my, my business plan from, from that time. I um, love this story. So yeah, it, it, it was, you know, my, my, my thought every day was, you know, I was, I was doing this and it's changed over the years, but back then it was to create a life for my family that they never thought was possible. So I didn't have a great, you know, upbringing. My wife had an even worse upbringing. Uh, and just a lot of chaos and and uncertainty and and that sort of thing. 
And so, so that, that was the motivation luckily coming out of my childhood. So my parents divorced when I was four, um, my parents moved here from Sweden and they opened a business together. And so that business became an, an idol, uh, for my dad. He had so much unhealthy pride around that business. And I don't know if it was the, you know, I don't truly understand uh, addiction. So I know there's definitely part of it that is, it is just like having cancer, you know, and I think in some people, there's other parts of it where it might be easier to go to alcohol than it is to, to go home and, and, and face the reality of, of whatever. So I struggle with that still, but it, it, it was just seeing my dad, I mean, over the years, so divorced at four, um, you know, he drank until I was 15. So 11 years of just every other weekend, you know, we were supposed to go with my dad. He might show up. He might not show up. So I even like, I remember my dad would drink, uh, alcohol in one specific cup. It was a silver cup and it would always be on his nightstand, whether he drank vodka or whether he was drinking water, it was always the same cup. And I'll tell you that he stopped drinking when I was 15, like seven meetings a week with AA. Um, for 10 years, I ended up buying the house that he'd lived in. And, uh, that's a long convoluted story, but I like in my mid twenties, the first thing I would do when I went to his house is I would go up to his bedroom and I would smell the cup 10 years after he stopped drinking. And so how does that fit into any of this? Um, you know, we, we, I, th I think a lot of that, like unhealthy, wanting to control my destiny also help me to be successful. There's a really unhealthy side of that because we feel like we need to control everything. But my motivation, um, and I tell guys that are struggling, you know, with doing the work necessary to build something that gives them a little bit better life, have a picture of your family at your desk, uh, really understand why you're doing it. Um, and then, and make sure you remind yourself over and over and over again. And I was willing to do the things that most guys weren't willing to do because I, I knew that I had to change, you know, the, the generational, you know, my dad's dad was an alcoholic, you know, Julie's lineage was not had on both sides, did not have any love uh, in their household. So this is our chance as a family to break these generational curses. And we still struggle with it. You know, we still struggle with bringing that, you know, into our parenting styles and the way we interact with each other based on our, our parents, they're both divorced. So, yeah. So luckily I chose the path, a little bit more socially acceptable path. Like, you know, some people will go down like the addiction path and that's just where they go to deal with, you know, my, my sister's struggling right now with some stuff. She didn't go down the path of, of achievement like I did, which you can look at me and say, man, he's got it all together. And I still struggle every day still, you know? And so anyway, I don't know if that's kind of getting on, on your, on your point, but that's what came up. To go along with that, do you look at things, are you more, would you say you're more afraid to fail or driven to succeed? or you're driven for achievement? Yeah, it's funny. I'm not afraid of failure at all. Okay. I, I don't have any fear of failure. Um, I'm definitely driven to, to get to a destination, you know? So I don't, you know, even like I had never sold before, I had never prospected before, but like I got a coach early on and he's like, well, you just got to dial the phone and it's a numbers game. And I'm like, okay, give me the script. You know, Craig Proctor, universal, universal follow-up script. That's, I could still script out on that thing, you know, cause I internalized it. Um, but yeah, I don't have a fear of, as long as I know I'm on the right path and the things that I'm doing will lead, you know, are, are getting me in the range of where I want to go. Then I'm, I'm head down and I'll figure out the leverage points as I go along, but I'm not afraid to do anything. Yeah. I, I like it. I like looking at this and looking back because if, if I didn't know your backstory and I just met you on the street, I would think you had a great upbringing and I would think you, because you just, you are very persistent and you plow through things. And because of the group that we're in right now and some of the activities that we're doing, 
it's, it's, we're all doing the same activities. And as you look at yourself, you're like, man, I'm having this, whatever you want to say, call reluctance. I'm, I don't want to do certain things. And then I see you do certain things. And I'm like, well, that's easy for you to say, like you, you have real estate B school and you sold a, you know, a company. But the thing I like looking back on this is that, you know, you didn't have it easy, you know, because I think that's what we do in our modern culture is like, oh, we look at someone because we like them. Obviously we chose you as our mentor and coach. And then we're like, well, he had it this way and I've got it this way, you know, but that's not the case. Like you have persevered, you put those things in place. And as a matter of fact, you've probably gone through all the same things that we're actually going through right now, you know? And so, yeah, I think that's a really good thing to look at. I I don't, I don't love Gary V. I think a lot of the, the, the hustle grind stuff he stands for, I don't love it all, but there is that video overnight success, Gary V where like he just decided there's no reason he should be successful, but you look at Gary V today and you can be like, Oh, I don't like that. He curses or he's, you can like think whatever you want about him, but he literally just decided he's going to go down this path. Like his, his dad owned a $2 million liquor store. He grew it to 60 million through a video blog about wine and, and, and counter to any wine people at the time. Like he is just like New York jets and brash. And, and so that's a good video to watch where you just, you want to think, you know, uh, you, 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 you're successful. It's easier for you to say, but anyone that's successful, 99.9% of the time they started out with like, Oh crap, I got to call these leads and, and learn a script. And, you know, like you said, we're, we're, we're doing something now and building something now that it's even a little bit harder to make those calls because it involves calling colleagues and and what are they going to think? And, you know, that sort of thing. But yeah, I, I, I think you have to be willing. I almost, I, I picked this shirt today, grateful dude. Um, but I almost picked this shirt, something like uh, you have to be comfortable being uncomfortable. Like really, when I look back on my journey, like every, you know, we teach six stages of, of, of business growth in real estate B school every one of those six stages. I wasn't prepared for the next stage. You know, I, I didn't know how to lead or manage people. I hadn't done anything that I was doing at the time because I was always pushing the business forward, uh, hiring people, training people, all of that. I had no experience in it. I'd never done anything on video. I'm super introverted, you know, to tell me 10 years ago that I would have started a coaching company. It'd be like, no way. Or I would do podcast or get be on a stage in front of people. You know, in Scottsdale, I was, I was, I was able to talk in front of 700 agents and not eloquent at all. I cried. I, I could, I missed some thoughts and I don't even, didn't even bother me, you know, because I think just God has a, a plan for all of us. And I, you know, I, I, I lean more into that more every day and, and hold on more loosely, more loosely than ever, like the stuff that, you know, that is, is, is of the world. So the one thing about you that I've really appreciated, and I think it's shown itself a lot more in the last year is uh, your willingness to pray just about at every meeting I'm at with you. And when you in Scottsdale, when you wrapped it up, I just want to pray with you guys. I mean, I just thought that was phenomenal. It's uh, given me a lot of courage. One on this podcast, how we're bringing our faith to an audience that, you know, it isn't my church audience and, uh, and it's given us or me a lot of confidence in that. And I've appreciated that. Yeah. That's something, you know, that was actually modeled for me. The, the, the trigger for that, when I was, I was being coached by Bob Corcoran, he, I, I had gone to his, uh, he had like these boot camps, and I had gone to one where he prayed in front of a group of 50 people. And I just commented to him after that. I said, that's really cool that you did that at the next one I went to. not joking. He unbeknownst to me, he's like, Lars, would you come up and pray for everybody? (laughs) And, uh, and from, from then, you know, it, it, it's just that that was the seed that was planted. And I just thought that was really awesome. And, and it's like, yeah, you like, you'll pray with your church people, but like, I hope your church people are saved. (laughs) Uh, There are some people at my church that probably aren't saved and we're just called to you know, and that's the motivation, you know, for, for me to, uh, I'm going to seminary right now. And because I, I feel like I came to my faith, you know, later in life, I don't have scripture memorized. I haven't, 
you know, never did Bible study as a kid. You know, I don't know all the Bible stories like every kid that was raised in the church. So I feel like I'm playing catch up in that. And that's just going to give me even more confidence to just have conversations about like, how, how are you doing with your, with your faith journey? You know, or, you know, how, how are you doing in, in your spiritual life? You can ask the question in any kind of way. So. Yeah, I think what it, what I see is uh, I think you have a real love for people. And so you've got a conviction for you believe, you know, in the same thing. I'll even ask this question to lead up to how'd you get into coaching? You know, and so I think that's that's like what I see in you is um, you really care for people. And I think you care for people if they coach with you or if they don't coach with you or if they, you know, do this or if they do that. You really want what's best for someone. And I think that really comes through with you and, you know, real estate B school and everyone else that's on your team as well. And so I guess my question is like, how'd you get into coaching? And then also, can you expand on that too? Cause I know that's how you feel about people. So, you know, what, what do you, uh, yeah, just expand on that a little bit maybe. Yeah. I mean, that, that's a really good question. Um, at the time. So when I started, you know, 2013 coming off of all those big growth years, I remember that the, the people that I was aligned with at the time stood for like the videos are of like a private jet and getting out of a Rolls Royce and, and like our industry is just laden with ego driven people. Watches, cars, houses. Yeah. Like it, you know, and, and you don't know anything like it, it's, 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 you know, you see it on Instagram or Facebook, like, you know, these top agents and, and they're driving these nice cars and they're dressed and they're, you know, all of this stuff. And you don't know anything about their financial situation. You don't, don't know anything about their marriage or, or, or anything. And so the motivation was that there, there wasn't anyone that, that I knew that was really focused on success without sacrifice. You know, how can we build a, a business worth owning so we can live a life worth, worth living? You know, there, there was a guy, this was probably three years ago in Keller Williams who came up real fast, like top 10 uh, of teams. Um, and he ended up committing suicide. He was a believer, had three young kids and I didn't know him. So I can't comment if there was like mental illness or anything, but how does a guy get to the top of his game in business? And then the, the only logical thing to do is kill yourself, you know? And so that's a, a worst case scenario, but that sort of thing happens all the time. Like the, 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 uh, the, the guy we know that two days ago had a heart attack, right? That happens in every industry, but, but I would imagine it's, it's more prevalent in real estate, 10 years of doing deals and working when you're not supposed to, and, and, and taking on the stress of, you know, 20 people at a time, that's just going to catch up with you. And uh, yeah, so, so I think that the, the courage because I, I've always considered myself introverted and like, I'm more the wizard of Oz, you know, when they, when they reveal the curtain, like the guy behind the, the, like, don't ignore the man behind the curtain, you know, like that was me. I'm just like this guy behind a curtain. And uh, so I think God just challenged me to step out, you know, and, and lean more into the fact that, that there's a lot of pain and suffering in business and real estate specifically and families are, are being hurt. Marriages are, are being hurt. And guys that and girls that, you know, are believers are not spending time with their creator. And, and there's a lot of people that are, have idols that are money and, you know, accumulation and they're not saved. And so I, it's, it's piecing together in that way for me where it's funny that you say, you know, the, the, the love of people, one of my strengths in strengths finder is, um, I forget what they call it, not connector, but like one of my top five strengths of like their 40 strengths or whatever. It's, I forget what it is. I wish I knew, um, but it's, it's a, a connection, a one-on-one connection with a person. So I, I, I genuinely care about where somebody is in the areas of, in, in all their areas of life. I think it's great to have money. I think it's great to have an awesome business. I think it's even more important, all the other stuff. And so I think God has, has created me in that way. And I think that's even more so in my next journey. You know, the opportunity we have at, at EXP is, is not so much about me and me being able to create all this awesome residual income. It's like the, the, the guys and girls that I'm partnering with specifically like I am going to 
what's the Will Smith like? I'm going to die on the treadmill before the guys I'm working with, yeah, before they they achieve what 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 we set out to achieve. Mm-hmm. And so it's that motivation, you know, and it's the the extension of the motivation with the real estate B school. It's it's yeah, more money, more freedom, more impact. Uh, money is, you know, it's something that is for some it's like a a dire necessity for others it allows them to live a, a a a better life but the the freedom i think is cool like once you can get a little bit of margin and and rack space you know in your head to have a bigger impact at home and then in your church and then in your community and in the world you know i think there's just a lot of suffering i'm i spent like 5 years in a row i did third world mission trips and i haven't been in 5 years uh which is not great but if you ever do a third world mission trip, you know, you just look at everything differently. And so anyway, I think I answered your question. Yeah, that was awesome. I think uh, when you're talking about the EXP thing, people ask me all the time, oh, don't you wish you would have gotten in three or four years ago? And I really don't because the group and the thing that we have with you, Jacoby and I, and, you know, and John and AJ in there with us is just, it's probably the most powerful thing I've seen in EXP, at least that I've been exposed to. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it really is, it is the weirdest thing. So when I look back on 2007, getting into real estate and the level of commitment that I've like with me and another person. So when you do a real estate transaction, you're committing to helping them. Sometimes it's not great. You still follow through, you get to closing. You're like some you keep in touch with some you don't. Then you bring a team member into your world. And, and that, that's another level of commitment, right? My first administrator, I mean, we were in it. She was working weird hours. My first buyer agent, you know, Tia was my first administrator. Chris was my first buyer agent when nobody followed me. You know, these two were willing to, and they were both with me for seven and eight years. And that was a commitment. I love them. Like, you know, I still love them. And then coaching was even a different level of commitment. Like, hey, you share with me, you're struggling in business, you know, in other areas of your life, give me some money and I'm going to show up and I'm going to commit to you at, at EXP. It's, it's, it's just different. Nobody's paying anyone, anything like the, 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 the us doing, it's almost like now we're committing to do life together, you know, where like John, I, I wouldn't have gone in three or four years ago. Like, because I think that the timing of, I think God had perfectly timed all of this for it, it to be just with the right people at the right time, where it's not as much like, uh, uh, this is going to sound bad. Like, I feel like some of the guys that got in early, they're just like, when you get into something where it's not proven, I, I feel like the motivation is a little bit like, you know, you don't know what it is yet. And so I, those guys were trailblazers and I don't talk bad about them because they, they actually taught us how to do what we're doing now. Um, but it is this weird community of, of people that are like, I would do anything for you guys, any time of day, any day of week on vacation or not, where in real estate B school, like, I'm not gonna, I'm not, you know, <laughs> like, I'm just not. So yeah, it's pretty cool. I know EXP, everyone thinks they know what it is. And this is not an EXP show. And I don't even know if you guys have talked about EXP on your show. <laughs> if you ever ha- have a chance to talk to these two guys about EXP, you should do it because they're building something different at, at, at EXP that it's never seen before. Yeah. It's just a great opportunity. Most people say they, a lot of folks say they haven't had something that they have there. Like I have, I feel like uh, had an experience with this group, but it's very rare, right? Because I was in the military. And so the military has an aspect of it, the kind of what you're talking about, like a family thing, or that's different that brings you together. And part of that is, is like, because a lot of, I feel like a lot of veterans and folks that have served in the military, folks always say, thank you for your sacrifice or, or those sorts of things. Thank you for your service and all that. And sometimes the hard thing of it is, is like, I wasn't doing that for the country. I was doing that because me and my brothers are in this thing together. And we're just thinking about our lives, like saving our lives. Like what is the next thing in order for us to get out? And that's like a hard thing for, for some guys to deal with even though it, it turns out to be a really good thing. And then also with football, you know, football, you have, you know, a team and you suffer through all these things. 
And so it's just a really unique opportunity with folks that just love each other is what I see because of what you can create for each other. And so it's just awesome. And I'm, I'm exactly with Jerry. I'm like always surprised how I did not get into it earlier, but yet it, you know, at the right time and the right timing, everything comes together. It's pretty, it's pretty amazing. So I'm like, yeah, and, and it's, and it's with that. the right, it's with the right people. Jacoby was the first one to sign up with me. Like <laughs> literally the first one to sign with it. And I'm sure his first call was Jerry. Yeah. So here's a, here's, right. just a quick, here's a quick story on, on the, you know, this whole uh, Jacoby and how he signed up. So Jacoby and I had a conversation on Thursday and I don't remember what Thursday on Thursday. And he says, yeah, I'm meeting with my broker tomorrow about possibly buying our Weikert office from her. Okay. Awesome. So the following Tuesday, I think it was Tuesday. I call him up. I go, Hey, how'd that meeting go? He goes, Oh, I'm at EXP. I'm like what? <laughs> like literally it's like, four days or something crazy like that. And, uh, and that's when he goes, call me up. We got to talk. And so we broke it down and I had a few steps to get through, but uh, I got there pretty quick. Yeah. yeah the, the key thing there, I think we talk about it a lot on the podcast too, is I think who you're in business with matters more than a lot of things. Right. And so the only, the reason why I started coaching, you know, co started coaching with you Lars, cause I trusted you. I wouldn't, I wouldn't coach with you if I didn't trust you. And I also, which we talked about it on uh, one of our other, man, I wish I had the verse, but it's in Hebrews and it says, you know, consider your leaders and what they said to you, consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Right. And so I'm like, I don't, I'm not following people who I don't want their life. You know, I'm not, I'm not doing that, you know? And so for me, I just, I always, that was just where I was. I was like, if he's going here, I've already done the homework to see who he is. I hung out with him. I went to his event. I saw those things. And so I like, whenever you called me, I was like, man, it's, I don't even really need to research it. I'll look at a couple of things, but if he's doing it, like he's, he's doing it. So, so I, I'm always like, just so inspired by guys that can quote scripture. It's Hebrews 13, seven. Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you, consider the outcome of their outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. That's, that's really good. Yeah, exactly. And so that's, you know, you say quoting scripture. So I always put scripture in my head. And so whenever I saw you that that's the verse I think of when I look at you, you know what I mean? And so, yeah. So I just think it's really good. You know, I didn't have to think about it. It was already determined for me. <laughs> that's awesome. 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 Cool. Jerry, you we, got anything else you want to, you got something you want to wrap up here? Yeah. Just uh kind of the one last question when we were talking about that coaching and you don't have to dive way into it, but obviously you had some real estate coaching, but who was the coach or the, that had the most influence on how you wanted to be a coach in real estate. And my assumption is it probably wasn't a real yeah. estate coach. That's so good. So, so here's the thing. I stopped counting at $750,000 I've spent on coaches. So I will say this, everybody <laughs> I've ever mentioned you've coached with like it's yeah. So, so I stopped counting at 750 and that was like, like four years. So I think I'm over a million bucks and there's only been one program ever where I was like two days in and I signed a year commitment. I'm like, this is going to be such a painful year. Um, <laughs> so that was a waste of $1,200 a month for 12 months. They wouldn't let me out. And I'm like, okay, I, I know your whole program in a week. Like I'm, I'm done. I'm good. Um, I would say that's a really good question. I would say in, holy cow, that's a good question. In terms of how, you know, I, I did a lot of stuff with Tony Robbins. And so here's a guy doesn't need to do anything. Like he owns 130 businesses or something like his, and you even hear him speak now, he, his ministry, and he's a little bit shy about sharing openly sharing his faith. I, I, I don't even know if he's Christian, but he, he's still like impacting people's lives at a deep level is still the, the, the thing that, that inspires him the most, even though he, he makes a gazillion dollars, you know, in all his other businesses and, and all of that. And I remember seeing him at an event where, Oh, it could have been, I'm, I'm not your guru. Uh, that Netflix documentary uh, that he did. And I saw him at an event where I was in the like first couple rows where we're doing an exercise and he's like studying 
like where to take the, like he's got his notes and he does a, an after action review. That's like a military thing where they get together right after every day and after the event and how can he make it better? Like 30 years in. Um, so just his love of people and, and, and seeing, you know, that we all have different wiring, different experiences. If we're succeeding at a high level in something, I've found more often than not, it comes from a something that wasn't great in the past, like some kind of dysfunction in the home or like you're trying to achieve your way to something. That's the way it was for me. And I find that with a lot of high achievers. Um, and so breaking that down, knowing that we can't take anything we're going to accumulate here with us, knowing that most people you know, are not where they need to be with, with God. And, and most people don't know Jesus and I'm not a preacher, so I won't preach at you. Uh, at the same time, I just know the work we're supposed to do here is just have conversations, more conversations, more meaningful conversations, not in the real estate kind of way, like a two-way conversation with an adult, uh, a decision-making adult about real estate, but like just meaningful conversations like Jerry, where are you struggling? How can I help you? Or how can I pray for you? That's the most exciting part of it. And, and it's funny, I got away from that a little bit. You know, as I, I, I scaled real estate B-School, I got away from that a little bit. And now back working with you guys and, and building EXP, we get to go right back into that. So now when we're doing like a call with somebody, you guys are literally doing strategy sessions. I've done a thousand of these strategy sessions for real estate B-School. We're just getting on and talking like, so how, how's business? Where are you struggling? How's your personal life? Let's just get to know each other a little bit. You know, it may be a fit. It may not be a fit. Um, but just if we can enter into a relationship with that sort of, you know, vulnerability and authenticity, that that is the thing that I, I, I love the most. And I, I've had other coaches that have, um, I have a coach right now who's a 77 year old guy that is like massively successful. I think I'm going to find out. I don't even know how he's acquired his wealth, but he doesn't need to coach. And he's just this wise old man that knows everybody. Like I, we're having some challenges with my daughter. She's likely on the spectrum for autism. And he's like, well, call this guy, you know, he's, he's autistic. Both her sons are, and he raised a hundred million dollars for the autism foundation. And he's like, you know, he, he runs this big business and I'm like, golly. And I see the way he, he interacts with me and the way he loves me in, in our, in the work we do together. And, and that, that to me is, is inspiration. Cause I think guys are struggling. Like, I think guys are just struggling and whether we, we put on a good face, we want to talk about sports or we want to, whatever, there's just, we're not allowed to be vulnerable. You know, we got to be strong in our homes at the same time, you know, unless you have that kind of relationship with your wife where you can break down and be vulnerable. There's just a lot of jacked up things about being a guy. I just wish there was more authentic conversation. So that's kind of the inspiration for, and it continues to be the only inspiration. You know, coaching is hard because most people don't do what you tell them to do. So unless you're connected on a, on a more meaningful level, you'll just get super frustrated and be like, ah, I don't need the money. If you're not going to do it, then just save your money. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> Why'd so, you come coach with me to not do what I told you to do? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So to answer Jerry's question, you, are you saying Tony Robbins? I think the official answer, because it's the, it's the first guy that I really, uh, I've traveled to Fiji twice. Um, I went to business mastery one and two and did his date with destiny and, um, UPW and all of that stuff. He's definitely the, the first guy. And, and at one of his events, I got, uh, I, I spent like 25 grand to sign Julian up, Julie and I up for three more events each. I got this disc set or DVD set called new money masters that getting that new money masters DVD set opened up this whole world of, of like Dean Jackson. And, um, I forget all the guys back then, uh, Frank Kern and like all like these guys making money by selling information. And at that point I had achieved a pretty high level. So that was the, the seed also that was planted, you know, with all these guys making money in a different way. Did you do platinum too? That's the only thing I haven't done with, with Tony. I wonder, I wonder if I'll do that one day. Awesome. Yeah. So Tony I, uh, Robbins gets a lot of love on the podcast uh, from Jacoby. He's been really influential and it just so happens that we're in Dallas in August. That'll be the first time I hear Tony live. Yeah. Awesome. I'm not, I'm not enamored by a lot of people, but uh, aside from Jesus, like Jesus is my number one. 
but I like put Tony Robbins up there. Like you see him on, you see him on TV and you see him on YouTube videos. And then when you see him live, you understand that he's not, he's a different person. Yeah. I'm going to, because I'm actually going through, have you guys ever heard of uh, Operation Timothy? It's a discipleship series where you do, it's a one-on-one. There's a guy in my C12 group that's taking me through Operation Timothy, which is essentially, he's just discipling me like from the start. Cause I mentioned in a C12 group that I hadn't been discipled before. Um, and so this guy's going to spend three years with me, probably once a week going through this full deep discipleship. Um, and the question last week was, was literally this question, who's the most influential person in your life uh, that that's living. And I came up with two, Tony Robbins was one. And then Stephen Furtick, uh, the pastor of Elevation Church, uh, we've, we've changed churches recently, um, but I was saved at Elevation Church and I don't think I would have come so, so, um, so excited into my faith um, if, if I wasn't a part of that church as it was growing. And, and just seeing him grow a church from a couple thousand people, single location when I started to 20 locations. And now it's like a hundred thousand people a weekend with their online and um, our kids went to school together. And so that probably is another, and there, there was no paid coaching there, but I feel like just being in his church for 11 years, essentially, just unbelievable man of God. And, and he has his flaws and, and he shares them and you, most people love or hate him. Um, but he definitely has a single, a single gift is, is preaching. He's not going to hang out with you at the hospital as you're dying. Like he says it openly, he's like, God has created me to give a message that can impact lives and bring people far from God, you know, to, to live a life with Christ. And so th- those two guys, you know, for, for sure. It's awesome. It is. Man, today was a ton of fun. Uh, we could probably do this two or three more times. I could, uh, there's plenty, plenty to talk yeah, about. And, and one thing we didn't cover, uh, Jacoby, you mentioned the, uh, I almost mentioned it when you said it. Cause I, I, I hate when I come off as like, man, that guy, Lars has it all figured out. You made a comment about the long cutting and teaching your kids discipline and hard work. <laughs> My kids are completely spoiled. I'm sure 20 years from now, I'm going to have these like completely dysfunctional children that are like, Hey, where's the, where's, how come nobody's mowing my lawn? <laughs> like, you know, so there, there are plenty of things that I'm missing, uh, in the current, uh, current, my current reality. So well, that's, that's also the cool thing about the podcast, right? Is that, and that's the one message I want to get across is like, we all have something, you know what I mean? And so, but you also have a gift too, you know? And so that's what I see. Like we got to hang out you know, I just, I loved our time in Cabo that we got with you and Julie. Like it was for me and Andrea, it was like one of the best times ever, because, you know, like, like I said, I, I, you inspire me a lot. And, you know, just like I was saying, I don't put a lot of guys up on pedestals or anything. Like I know we're all men, like we're all flawed, you know, but we are aspiring to something. And so that's my only thing is like, I just, I appreciate how you go in every day. You keep grinding, you're pushing through, even to hear about your struggles that you're having, knowing that and still doing what you do. Like that is cool. And that's the inspiration for me, you know? So that's what I'll say. Just thank you for what you're doing too, you know? So yeah, awesome. awesome. So same, same with you guys, just your transparency and, and doing this work. When you guys announced this podcast, I was so excited. You know, you, you just never know what God has in store for, or anything and guys that are willing to share openly their struggles, man, if there ever, ever was something more needed in the world where it's just like, everyone seems like they have it all together. Um, and you guys are willing to come in and, and, you know, push guys to share openly and, and for you guys to share openly with you, with your struggles is just awesome. So you guys are doing good work. Keep it up. So as we wrap it up, if, Somebody wanted to connect with you. Where's the spot to connect with you? I would say, I would say, I mean, I still manage my own messenger. I gave it, gave it up for like two years. I would say Facebook or I'm getting more on Instagram, but Instagram is like so stressful. I don't know if you guys do Instagram, but it's so stressful. Um, but I can still understand like on my phone, I still have my messenger, you know, have you have the badge app icon with the numbers. So on messenger, if you message me, I will actually get the message. So uh, I would say just go to Facebook, Lars Hedenborg, and I'm going to pray us out. I don't know if you guys pray, but I'll, I'll pray us out if you guys are cool with it.
That'd be great. Sounds good. Awesome. Dear Heavenly Father, uh, man, the, the, the ministry here, uh, the mission uh, of this podcast and uh, for Jerry and Jacoby, uh, just continue to give them strength in their businesses and their families, uh, in their roles as uh, husbands and dads and just pillars in their community. Um, you know, we all struggle in so many ways and it's only uh, by your grace uh, that we can wipe it clean uh, and get up and, and continue to do your work and just give them strength uh, encourage uh, to be even more bold in their conversations and in their interviews uh, in their work in real estate uh, and in the home. And for those that are listening, that are have any kind of sickness, sadness, or suffering, you know, you're the ultimate uh, counselor and, and, and healer. And uh, there's so much wisdom and just time with you and in your word. And, and we encourage those that are struggling just to, to spend more time uh, with you. It's in your son, Jesus name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Awesome guys. Uh, super good time. Uh, let me know if I can do anything for you guys or any listeners as well. If you're struggling, you know, just, uh, just reach out to me on messenger. I'm happy to uh, do a call with you and just talk about life and business and how it's all dysfunctional and jacked up and uh, mine is too. So sweet. Thanks man. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Jerry and Jacoby podcast. If you walked away with something of value, we hope you'll share it with a friend. And don't forget to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast so you get notification of all new episodes.